Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. is No Excuses with John Taffer. I'm John Taffer, best-selling author, bar rescue guru, and soon your new best friend. I've got a lot of shit for us to talk about, so stop making excuses and let's get started because this gets real right now. All the way from the studios at Podcast One, here's John Taffer. Hey, hello, I'm John Taffer. Here we go. Episode 70. Of my No Excuses podcast, 70 freaking episodes, unbelievable. And we're going strong here. So, congratulations, today is Taco Tuesday. Yeah. So, you can snag a free and cheap tacos all over the place on Taco Tuesday. Del Taco has a special deal. You get any taco free when you join their raving fan e-club. Tijuana Flats has something going on. Taco Bell, kind of is giving out free tacos on a literal day that celebrates everything it stands for. But you can give the gift of tacos to your loved one with its $5 National Day gift set, whatever the hell that is. And Burger King is selling tacos now, so they're jumping on Baja Fresh. So, you into tacos? Oh, yeah. Well, today is the day, buddy. You could drive all over town and discount taco your brains out, buddy, with every kind of taco you can imagine. What's your favorite taco? Fish, meat, Pork? What do you go for, Corey? I'm a fish kind of guy. I like wahoos. Ooh, wahoos. So, so you go for fish tacos. You like a hard taco, soft taco? Um, I'd say with the fish taco, probably soft. Oh, okay. Soft, yeah. soft fish taco guy, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm sort <laughs> of a fish taco too, but I prefer my taco shells to be hard. Oh, okay. So, so uh, have you heard about this uh, uh, zombie deer thing going on? No. It's really sort of screwed up. So zombie deers are now roaming 24 states in the U.S., and they're sickened by a neurodegenerative disease that reduces them to stumbling, drooling creatures. Wow. So they're like sort of in a daze. And it's a little reminiscent of Walking Dead, if you will. But it's in 24 states now, and apparently it's a big deal. And we have some type of a disease that's impacting all of our deer, which really sort of sucks. Obviously, we don't want anything to suffer. But uh, uh, it's not in Nevada yet, which is where I'm sitting right now. But 24 states of this zombie deer thing, you start to wonder, is something like this contagious? Can it infect other animals? Where do these things come from? How do they start? How do we end them? So, you know, all these things make me scratch my head and get a little worried when I think about it. But I got to tell you, some things are just absolutely disgusting. So there's a woman in uh, Ecuador who wanted to create a new cool frozen confectionery treat. Well, the most popular confectionery treat happens to be ice cream, right, Corey? Yeah. So she decided that she was going to do a new flavor of ice cream. And what she chose is unbelievable to me. Guinea pig ice cream. What? Guinea pig ice cream. <laughs> now, if you like the little furry guys as pets, I know this is a disgusting thought, and I don't particularly find it very appealing myself, but it's guinea pig flavored ice cream, and it's becoming pretty popular in Ecuador. Huh. Which is just incredible to me. Rod Stewart goes into a couple's wedding in Las Vegas. He's playing here in Vegas at Caesars, 
And I guess through social media or somebody invited him to a wedding or whatever, but he shows up at their wedding and just sings a few songs. How cool is that? Oh, wow. That's cool. I think that's pretty neat. So how important is social media to you these days, Corey? Oh, I mean, it's everything. It's part of my job. Well, it's, it's the centerpiece of everything today. So social media statistics are pretty interesting. And we were looking online. And, you know, the most famous social network sites worldwide as of July 2019 ranked by number of active users in millions. Well, Facebook is number one with, with, uh, uh, with whew, Jesus, over 237 million. YouTube is next. WhatsApp is third, believe it or not, with 1.6 billion, I guess it is, users. No, 160 million users. Facebook Messenger, WeChat. Next is Instagram. Next is QQ. What's QQ? I don't know. Neither do I, but it's number five. Yeah, I never heard of that. Q Zone. Do you know what that one is? No. Neither do I. There's another one called TikTok. Now, these obviously are foreign sites. Oh, TikTok's actually getting big here in the States. And what is TikTok? It's kind of like, do you remember Vine? Yeah. It's kind of like Vine, just short little videos that people post. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Cena Weibo? Nope, never heard of that one. Reddit is pretty big at 330 yeah. million. Twitter, 320 million. Reddit is bigger than Twitter. That surprises me. LinkedIn is sitting at 310 million. Snapchat at 294 million. Pinterest, pretty strong, 265 million. That's pretty incredible. Instagram accounts with the most followers worldwide. Now, it's interesting. We always think in America, oh, we're the biggest. But, you know, most of these people in many of these reports are not Americans. Yeah. The number one Instagram account with 182 million is Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, wow. And I have no idea who the hell that is. He's a soccer player. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. there we go. Well, Big time. Soccer is obviously extremely popular around the world, so it doesn't yeah. make sense. So, Ariana Grande is number two with 163 million. Selena Gomez is next at 156. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is number four in all of Instagram. Isn't that amazing? With wow. 100, 156 million. Yeah. Kim Kardashian West, 147 million. Kyle Jenner, 145 million. Beyonce is 132 million. Leo Messi is 129 million. And Neymar Jr., 125 million. Think about that. 125 million people follow that guy. Jeez. And watch what he does every day. The most popular YouTube channels as of September 2019 were interesting, too. P- oh. PDWee. PewDiePie? PewDiePie. PewDiePie. What the hell is PewDiePie? <laughs> he just sits there and uh, he plays Minecraft. And people watch him play. Well, 100 million people are watching him play Minecraft. That's unbelievable. So he just has a camera like over his shoulder and you watch him play? Yep, exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> Next is Five Minute Crafts, which I must confess, I've watched Five Minute Crafts on YouTube. They're fun. Next is Coco Melon Nursery Rhymes, 58 million. Next is Set India at 55 million. WWE is at 47 million. Justin Bieber's at 46 million. Dude Perfect. What's Dude Perfect? Oh, they do uh, cool trick shots. Oh, pool shots. Oh, like anything. They'll do pool, football throws, basketball shots, but like they'll do it all crazy. So it's fun content. Yeah, exactly. Well, 45 million. Jeez. Then the most popular Facebook fan pages as of September. 
This was shocking to me. Now, Facebook is obviously number one. Number two, the second most popular Facebook page in the world, Samsung. Really? I thought that was really surprising. Yeah. Then Cristiano is uh, number two. Real Madrid CF is number three. Coca-Cola is number four. It's interesting how The Rock is number one on Instagram, but on Facebook, he's not in the top list at all. Mr. Bean has higher numbers. All righty, the most popular YouTube videos of all time based upon global views. Luis Fonzi. Do you know who that is? No, no idea. Despacito Daddy Yankee. Oh, Despacito uh, Daddy Yankee. Yes. (laughs) He has 6.39 billion global views. Billion global views. Oh, my goodness. Ed Sheeran, The Shape of You, 4.35 billion views. See you again, Charlie Puth, official video. Famous seven, Furious 7 soundtrack, 4.21 billion. Man, unbelievable. Justin Bieber, sorry, 3.18 billion. And Maroon 5 is right up there, 3 billion for sugar. Wow. Katy Perry for Roar, 2.89 billion. You know, my friend Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports said something to me that was actually sort of memorable years ago. And he said to me, you know, if you got eyeballs, you get everything. Well, when you think about it, Justin Bieber having, you know, four billion eyeballs on his social media accounts. If that guy doesn't make money with four billion eyeballs watching him, something's very, very wrong. Today is all about eyeballs, whether it's on social media or whether it's business, Corey. Because you know how I get your wallet, Corey? How? It starts with your eyes. Then I get your body. Then I get your wallet. Everything today starts with your eyes. And, you know, those are a lot of eyeballs. Uh, uh, I know social media channels, and that's why those people are so successful. And today, how do you do it? How do you get there yourself? And we've had some great podcasts. You know, Tipsy Bartender is a great one about how do you break into that social media world? How do you get to those kind of numbers? How do you get those eyeballs? Because if you can get those eyeballs, you can really make a difference. And talking about making a difference, I want to congratulate my wife, Nicole. And if you're in the Las Vegas area, join her and keep memory alive for a cocktail reception celebrating eight of the most charitable women in all of Las Vegas. And I'm so proud of Nicole to be nominated as one of the eight. So Vegas Gives 2019 is a cocktail reception. That'll be an unforgettable evening at the Wynn Plaza. And if you can go, you know, just go to keepmemoryalive.org. You can get a ticket and go to the event there. If you're unable to go, please go to keepmemory.org and donate and support Nicole and my most important cause, which is the Lou Ruvo Center for Brain Health and Fighting Neurocongenitive Disorders. And the first 50 people who donate $100 or more will receive a free Keep Memory Alive and Team Taffer shirt. And the first 50 people to donate 25 or more will receive a free purple bracelet in support of Alzheimer's disease. So this is what the Cleveland Clinic, Lou Ruvo Center for Brain Health. I'm on the board of it. Nicole is on the advisory board. This is very important. If you can, please support it. And I'm really proud of Nicole. Congratulations, Nicole. So, Taffer's Mixologist, Corey, we just crossed our 100,000th bottle. I'm pretty excited about that. And if people haven't tried it, that's available in Walmart nationally now in seven flavors. 
And if you haven't seen it, I mentioned it last week. I'll just mention it again because it's really funny. I did a taste test at Bar School Sports on KFC Radio, and it was really fun. I blindfolded them and messed with them for about an hour. If nobody's seen that, you should. And if you're in Florida, Texas, California, or Nevada, in the next week or so, you should be able to get your own Taffer Craft Cocktail and Strawberry Basil. Uh, a pina colada or uh, amazing flavor cucumber jalapeno. So a lot going on these days. And Corey, I'm heading back to Oakland, California this week. That's right. Ask me what I'm doing in Oakland. What are you doing in jo- Oakland, John? I'm doing Bar Rescue, buddy. All right. Five left to do this year. And that'll finish it up. That'll take me to the second week of November. And then I think I told everybody this week, agreed to 28 more next year. And I'll be off for a month in December, which I'm looking forward to. And then we'll start shooting uh, the next season of Bar Rescue 2020. So Bar Rescue is not going anywhere. And for those of you who have asked, Marriage Rescue is also picked up for another season. And now we're struggling with which to do. So do we do more marriage rescues? Do we do more bar rescues? Uh, 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 Do we split it up? So we're trying to figure it out now. But we are doing 28 episodes of TV next year. We're just not quite sure what the mix is going to be between bar rescue, marriage rescue, and something new that I'm working on that we're not allowed to talk about yet. But TV is not going away very soon, and and, uh, uh, I think that's a good thing because I love doing it. And as long as you guys keep watching it, I'll keep doing it. So while I'm enjoying my Taffer Sparkling Craft Cocktail, and i got a strawberry basil going today, I'm going to take a break, and we will be right back with In the Dark. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. Man, what a great time of year. Beautiful weather, and football is right around the corner. And if you're looking to add some excitement, make BetDSI your betting partner. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet all the games till the final whistle. And new members get a 100% bonus match using promo code TAFFER101. That's double your money to start winning today. So why would you choose BetDSI? First of all, it's been paying winners for 20 years. It's a top-rated site, and you can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week. It is a really friendly interface. It's got a very cool mobile site. And most important, it's got the fastest payouts in the industry. So BetDSI offers options for everything. You can bet on NFL, NBA, NHL, boxing, and all other major sports, politics, reality, TV, esports, virtually everything. So try betting at BetDSI where you can bet on games from start to finish, every play, every minute until the end. And remember, new members get a 100% bonus match using promo code TAFFER101. That's double your money to start winning today. Again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code TAFFER101 to get this limited time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash. Guys, it's only a game to you bet at BetDSI. Boy, Corey, to get your TV today, how many subscriptions do you have to have? Oh, man, way too many. It's ridiculous between the Hulos and the Netflix and cable and then satellite delivery services and HBO. By the time you're done, you have 20, 30 subscriptions and you're paying everybody just to watch TV. 
Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. I want to say it again, free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. No credit card needed, no sign-up. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today. Shut it down! All righty, it's time for In the Dark. So here's the deal. If any of you want to put a question, a comment, an insult, tell me how much you love me, how much you hate me, etc., put it in an audio clip. And just send it to Corey at podcast at johntafford.com, podcast at johntafford.com. And Corey will pick these clips, and he will play them for me. And I have no idea what's coming, do I, Corey? Nope. So this is why I call it In the Dark. He's going to fire these clips, and, and I have no idea what I'm getting into. But let's see what the first one is. Go for it, buddy. Hi, John. On each episode of Bar Rescue, you introduce your experts to the bar staff, and they start training. Then you walk out of the shop. My question is, what are you doing while your experts are training the bar staff? And I love the show and even watch reruns. Thanks. I'm Mark from Virginia. Well, thanks, Mark. That's actually a really good question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Well, you know, in Bar Rescue, I actually design the bar myself. I have to choose the bar stools, the wallpapers, the paint colors. I have to approve the logo. I have to taste and, and approve all of the food recipes and modify those. I have to taste and modify all the drink recipes. I got to find the plates and the silverware and, and the cocktail glasses and all the other vessels and stuff that we need to do. I got to get the floor plan figured out. I got to get the bar designed with the equipment and what we're putting putting behind the bar. I got to get the kitchen equipment designed and choose what we need based upon the menu items that we're adding. So those are all things that you don't see on TV. You really just see me sometimes sit with the map and talk about the general concept that we're going because those things are sort of boring. So they really don't make the show, but that's hours and hours and hours every week of things that I'm doing off camera uh, with the team choosing all of these items and putting together the design elements and often uh, the wallpaper that I thought I could get I can't get so now the bar stool doesn't work so now we got to change everything and in bar rescue it's all real time so we have to order everything today and we need it in 48 hours so a lot of things we can't get in 48 hours so it's a real challenge to put all the pieces together and most of that happens off stage so when you see me introduce them and they start the training and I walk out of the room I am typically going to what we call the art tent, which is set up uh, uh, um, uh, in a, typically in a parking lot of the bar. It could be a block or two away and working with my team to affect all of those things. And those are the things you don't see on camera that actually make the show and the bar work in the end. That was a great question. That was fun to answer. Hey, John. Uh, fans of yours in Canada love Bar Rescue. Um, I had a quick question for you. When you uh, choose to rescue a bar, um, given the level of disarray and dysfunction that many tend to demonstrate even after you've been on recon, um, some seem terribly undeserving. Just wonder how you uh, determine which ones make the cut, which ones don't. Uh, thanks for answering my question. Have a good one. Great question. Uh, uh, you know, it's interesting. And sometimes after the end of a bar rescue episode, you know, I wonder if they're worthy myself, candidly. And I've never said that before. Know, were they worthy? I mean, look what I just went through for these people. And sometimes I can walk away from an episode feeling very 
unsatisfied, if you will, that, you know, did I help a good person? Was there a purpose in it? But I'll tell you this, out of the 186 episodes that I think we've done up to date, either 185 or 186, there's always somebody to fight for. So and let's say that the owner's a real jerk. You know, his, his kids at home. I've never met those kids. But heck, you know, if I can change him a little, maybe I can make the kids' lives better, the wives better. Maybe I can save their house. Maybe I can get a college fund. It's interesting. With some of these owners, i got to sort of search to find something to fight for. Because I'm not there to fight against anyone. I'm there to fight for something. And when I started the show, to be honest with you, I never ever thought this depth of failure even existed. When we started the show, I said to the network, I want the worst possible situations you can find me. I want people that is far in debt, you know, the worst opportunity, the biggest mistake makers, the biggest jerks. You give me the worst case scenarios that you can possibly find me. And then I, they do little casting reels. What they do is they send producers around the country and people submit applications or we hear through people and whatever. Whether we approach a bar, the bar approaches us. Uh, uh, they'll shoot a short little video and they'll ask each bartender, what's your name? How long you been here? What's your name? How long you been here? And then they'll do a, 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 you know, a little synopsis. This person has been in debt X amount of hours. has five kids. He's blah, 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 blah. And based upon the depth of their failure and the curiosity of their story, uh, the bars are chosen. I used to, in the early days, look at those and want to know, but now I don't. So I don't look at those reels. I don't look at these bars in advance. I don't know anything in advance. And I think that what's, that's what keeps the show real. But in any event, yes, there are times I leave. Smiling Ed in Chicago is one that comes to mind. Headhunters in Austin, Texas is another one that comes to mind, where, where I leave knowing that what I did uh, uh, was sort of a waste of my time. But you go in with the best of intentions, just like we do with friendships and other relationships in life, and we hope that they work out. And that's what Bar Rescue is. It's me going in and fighting sometimes insurmountable situations, trying to find, you know, a glimmer of success. And that's what I do every week, believe it or not. So I love innovators. I love people who can say, you know, sort of screw you, I'm going to do it my way. I'm really proud of myself in that I've lived my life my own way. And uh, uh, even my TV show, I do it my own way. So, you know, I'm very proud of people who do things their own way. And I think that they're the ones that in very many ways, you know, create all the new inroads and all the new ideas come from people who choose not to do things their own way. Brian Deegan is one of those people. Brian is one of the creators, if not the creators, of motocross and is one of the greatest bike riders of all time. This is a guy who created a, a brand new sport put his life on the line, literally risking himself at 100 feet height, spinning and doing everything that he does, and at the same time was an entrepreneur who built a brand, built an entity, is now building a family brand, and it's a remarkable story. I love people who make a difference. I love people who advance all of our lives, and Brian Deegan is one of those people, and I'll be right back. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. That's you know, funny, Corey, in a, in a uh, bar rescue episode a couple years ago, we did the bacon bar in Las Vegas when I was doing research. I believe it was Stanford, but I can't tell you for sure which university. There was a research report done that said 42% of all men would prefer bacon over sex. 
And I always thought that, man, I am not one of those 42%. I'm guessing you're not one of those 42% either. No. So it's interesting. We all love sex. And if you love sex, you'll love BlueChew.com. BlueChew offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom. And let's face it, we all like to get a little longer playtime, if you will, or maybe go an extra inning or two. And at BlueChew.com, you can get the first chewables with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And chewables can work faster than pills, up to twice as fast, by the way. And chewables from Blue Chew can be taken on a full or an empty stomach. You can contact an online physician for free, so it's cheaper than those other two, Viagra and Cialis, and it only takes a few minutes to connect with a BlueChew.com affiliated physician, and if you qualify, you get prescribed online quickly. No in-person doctor visit, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at a pharmacy. It ships directly to your door in discreet packaging. And the chewables from BlueChew.com are prescribed online by a doctor and made in the USA. So Blue Chew gives you the confidence in bed every time. You and your partner will love it. Chew it and then do it. <laughs> Here's a great deal. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code TAFFER. Just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code TAFFER. Please, I want everybody to join my wife, Nicole, and keep memory alive for a cocktail reception celebrating eight charitable women who strive to make a difference in my community of Las Vegas. Vegas Gives 2019 Cocktail Reception will be an unforgettable evening of philanthropy featuring signature drawings for fabulous fashions and one-of-a-kind experiences courtesy of Wynn Plaza Partners. If you're unable to attend, please consider donating to keep memory alive. All donations will be matched up to $10,000. Please help us meet our goal. Funds raised by Keep Memory Alive exclusively support the work of the Cleveland Clinic Lou Ruvo Center for Brain Health and its fight against neurocongenitive disorders. And here's the best part. The first 50 people who donate $100 or more will receive a free Keep Memory Alive and Team Taffer shirt. And the first 50 people to donate $25 or more will receive a free purple bracelet in support of Alzheimer's disease. This is really important to me. Please join my, uh, my wife, Nicole, and this is important work to both of us, and support Keep Memory Alive by visiting KeepMemoryAlive.org. That's KeepMemoryAlive.org. Taffer is back. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. I, I love uh, uh, your story, and I've been looking forward to having you on a podcast, and and there's so much, buddy, you know, that I think you're an example for. But I love how you, like, created and innovated an entire sport. And what an yeah. example you've become for people in it. Would you tell the listeners the story of how uh, uh, your first ride and how it all started at the Coliseum in L.A.? It's a great story. Yeah, you know, I came from a small town in Nebraska. And uh, my dad was, uh, it's a, it was a teacher, like, in the education system, never raced before. And, and uh, so it was very odd. My neighbor got me into racing, and I just fell in love with racing dirt bikes. And I saw it as kind of my way out of Nebraska to, to see the world. And, and I was able to make it to California, turn professional, uh, graduated high school, went to California. My dad wanted me to go to college. And uh, I was like, give me a year. I want to chase my dream of racing. And I went to California. Really didn't have much money at all. I just kind of slept on my buddy's floor. I was like, I was going to make it happen. 
and I got on a race team that just, you know, just made just enough to, to, to eat and survive. And then I just started working, you know, working, meeting people, working super hard at it. And then uh, that night at the LA Coliseum, I had a dirt bike that I ended up buying at a local shop, racing against the factory guys who get everything for free, get paid to race and all yep. this, you know, on another level and all the best parts and motors and crew and, and everything so else. Yeah, yeah, and I go out that night, and and I got a good start. You know, they like call the team. I didn't really expect to win the race going into it because there's so many key players there that night, so many fast guys. And then uh, I was going through the going through the uh, race as probably second, third place. But I uh, one thing I did was work hard on fitness. I trained really hard every day because that doesn't cost money, right? And yep. the day I got up and ran five miles every day, went to the park, did sprints on the on the bench. So at the, the end of the day, I thought I was in good shape. And uh, so I started going through this race. Toward the end of the race, the leader started fading, get tired, and I just kept going. I started passing him. Next thing you know, I pass uh, the leader for the uh, the pass the leader, and, and the crowd just goes crazy. Like, wow! You could just hear the whole stadium. Wow! That was, that was the win, right? And uh, so anyway, I made it to the. I was so nervous that last lap. I'm like, just don't crash. And I go to the finish line. I'm like, I didn't know what to do. And I, if I knew how to backflip dirt bikes at that point, I probably would have done that. But it was way before that time. And I go, so I just let go of my bike and go straight over the finish line. And I, and I fell on the ground and I get up and everyone's racing over my head. And I, I mean, it was just such an iconic, cool moment in sports. And uh, it's one of the things I've done a lot in my career, but that was one of the moments that was a real defining moment for sure. It's, it's, it's a, a great fan moment. Fan love that moment. You know, people, oh, yeah. And yeah. people still talk about it too. So, okay. So now suddenly, uh, uh, and I didn't see this in your bio everywhere, but in doing some homework on you, buddy, I, so I was told that you really started out by selling shirts out of the back of your truck, <laughs> right? At action sports events. And that's how you really funded your motorcycle race racing career in the beginning yeah you know with, with um like i said when i started racing professional motocross i was like i was more of like a you know fourth fifth place guy i just couldn't get that factory support so i made just enough money to make it to the next race wow. and then i kind of at that point travis pastrana there's a few guys that were key players and we went to x games and said hey let's create freestyle motocross because we're doing tricks on dirt bikes uh, just for fun when we were practicing and then the videos came out that's kind of when VHS and like the video yep. scene started coming and then Crusty Demons of Dirt and there was just some big videos that came out at that time and uh, showing us having fun on dirt bikes doing tricks and then X Games said let's make this a sport and so we helped create the first X Games freestyle motocross sport and when we did that I showed up there's you know a Tony Hawk skating you yep. have like uh, you know Mira Nyquist on BMX and I mean, just big, these are guys that I looked up to you know, on TV. Bigger than life. Oh, they were big, yeah. yeah. And then I started up the dirt bikes, and all the noise, and our jumps were way bigger, you know, 100-foot jumps, and the crowd just comes running, you know, thousands of people. And I'm like, man, we're on to something here. And, and that's when we called our little group the Metal Militia. That was like our group of, like, we were the rebels. Pastrana was a good guy. We were the bad guys. And uh, then we started selling T-shirts and hats, um, just out of the back of our, yeah, back of our truck. And then that really funded 
how we got around for, for the next few years until it really blew up. So it's, it's a great entrepreneurial story. Forget that it's sports for a second. I mean, here you are, you're a young kid. You work hard at your endurance. You know, you're in great physical condition. Well, that's no different than, than you know, somebody learning their craft in another way. Yours was physical. You got yourself physically ready. You didn't have the crews, the equipment, the high-tech gear, right, all the engineering and stuff that the big guys had. But you made it week to week and event to event. And you did it on passion. When yeah. did you sense that it would get as big as it did? Was it that first night when all those crowds came? And I think, uh, you know, I, like I said, I've been in Supercross, but I, you know, Jeremy McGrath at the time, he was the winner. Like, he was the king of Supercross. Yeah. He was the guy that everyone, you know, basically was attracted to in Supercross, all the stadiums. But I, I wasn't the center of attention in those stadiums. But when I went to X Games... All of a sudden, we were the center of attention, and and we just said, okay, that that was kind of the defining moment. Where I'm like, if if I can't make it happen here, like this is the biggest opportunity for me right now. Uh, like I said, a small kid out of Nebraska, like looking at these huge opportunity, and that's kind of when it clicked. That first year at X Games, that I'm like, man, there's so much hype around this right now. Action sports is new and fresh, just starting. And I mean, we took full advantage of every opportunity of camera time, radio time. That was before social media. You know, there was yeah. a cell phone game back, right. back in the late 80s. So. You had to get on TV to, to, to visually get into people's houses. You weren't doing it on your phones back then. It was no, a different I mean, world. You got to think, that was only, you know, how many times a year? Maybe a handful of times a year. Yep. So you had to make it happen when you got the camera time. Yeah, unlike, you know, the more contemporary sports like the UFC today, who have been very socially active and have had a lot of viral energy around what they do. Let me uh, ask you, let me ask you this, Brian. You're a young guy and, and you know, success is risk for you. There's a physical risk every time you went out there and did this. How did you how do you overcome fear? Are you fearless or do you think about it and overcome it? Yeah, with me, fear I was so anxious to be successful that I think um, the injuries that came with the sport were, were much smaller in my mind than, than my idea of making it. I didn't want to go back home. Like, I didn't want to go back to Nebraska. I wanted to make it work. And, and so, I mean, I had injury after injury, but there were never career-ending injuries, you know, thankfully, um, that I could keep moving on, moving on. And I had some bad ones. You know, I crashed at Winter X Games trying to do a 360 over a 100-foot ice jump. Uh, I let go of the bike. I was above the ski lifts when, when I fell. Uh, that's how high it was. And I hit the ice and shattered my hip in 10 spots, both wrists, you know, and eternal bleeding. You know, but I healed up and came back and won the event the next year. And, and then, um, you know, I crashed at doing Viva La Bam on MTV, doing a backflip and handlebar with my stomach, lost my kidney, my spleen. Wow. That was a real, real close to dying in that moment. And, and um, But, yes, every injury, you get a little more fear, right? Every yeah. injury, you know, I want to know about fear. You get you get to the point where you're like, get, you get older, maybe wiser. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, how many more times can I do this? Yeah. And then that's when, you know, at some point you start thinking about other opportunities that you have to go at some point before you actually just kill yourself trying to make it. You know? Yeah. Did, did you find that when you got married and started to have a family that that changed the amount of the, the amount of risk that you would take? Yeah. You know, that I would say one of the big defining like uh, moments that changed my path was that time when I you know, almost died 
crashed, lost my kidney. I lost a lot of blood. Yeah. Um, very, you know, went to emergency surgery. Doctor said, Hey, leaned over me. He says, anything you want to tell your family? I, we're going to do everything we can. We're not sure what's going to happen. Um, at that moment, you know, I was like, God, that, that I have my daughter. She's two, three years old at the time. And I, and I was like, man, I just want to live. I don't want to die. And I remember waking up with tubes everywhere. I was so happy to be alive. And that moment was, I changed that moment. I was like, I have to do something different. I have to be here for my kid. You know, I have to be a dad. And so many things changed at that moment. But my daughter was a huge, you know, a huge movement in my life to, for, for the better, you know, and go, yeah. hey, you know, I started to try to grow up and be a father. But yeah, that was definitely one of the moments for sure. You know, it's interesting. I've spoken to a lot of, uh, of friends that are professional skiers and athletes and NASCAR drivers and stuff. And there's always that commonality with the first child. You know, the risk is worth it. Until, you know, you look in their face and suddenly, you know, the risk becomes questionable and, and, you know, the risk might not be worth it anymore to that degree. You know, thank thank God you took the risks when you did, buddy, because your career, I mean, I'm looking at the list of awards and victories that you've had. I mean, it goes page after page from Lucas Driver of the Year to Masters of Dirt South Africa first place. I mean, you literally traveled the entire world. Oh, yeah. You know, it was uh, it's cool about the motocross and, and freestyle motocross. You know, when I raced motocross and supercross, it was all about training, being in shape. And then we went to action sports and freestyle. And it was about being a character. It was kind of like uh, all-star wrestling, I guess. You, you know, the bigger your character was, the bigger you got paid, the bigger your, your, your marketing and your merchandise. And so that turned on to that for like, you know, it was a, almost a 10 year run in X Games, you know, and I was able to build, you know, multiple brands like, you know, Metal Militia Clothing that yep. went on to be a multi-million dollar clothing company. Uh, you know, so there, there's many things I was able to build through that, but then I always missed racing, you know, and so, and I felt like going back, finally, one of my sponsors said, hey, you, you beat up your body enough. Do you want to try some truck racing or car racing? Ooh. And I thought, okay. So I got in a race car and I loved it. I got that excitement back yeah. of competing against other racers. And I you know, went out and won X Games and Rallycross. I won championships and off truck racing. And it was enough for me to go, okay, I don't need to go back to freestyle motocross. I can now do something different and still make a living and make, you know, make, make good media out of it. And I think it was a good choice. And keep that competitive spirit. That's obviously a large part of you. Cause, cause... Oh, it is. And I feel like that's what keeps me feeling. I was, I would say alive, feeling young, feeling like, like I had that adrenaline, adrenaline rush that I used to get from back flipping dirt bikes or, you know, or things like that. But now it's in, you know, race car. It's a lot safer. Yeah, I hear you got a bunch of metal around you. So, so, you know, I think you're a great story, Brian, and I was excited to have you here because, you know, I think that, that you're a great athlete, you know, your determination, your discipline to get as far as you did, but you're a great entrepreneur, buddy. You know, you, you've built a great brand. You figured out how to make money around your brand, which a lot of people don't, you know, they build a brand, they get to a point where they have fame, but they don't have that entrepreneurial expertise or desire, but you do. But the thing that I love most about you is you as a father, you as a family man. 
yeah. and, and and you know I'm going to guess you're going to light up because you have some pretty remarkable kids who are doing <laughs> some pretty remarkable things, and to think that you know you could raise such wonderful kids who are so competitive while you're building your career in all these brands is remarkable. So yeah. tell me about Haley. So so she is. Uh, uh, well, tell me the story of Haley because she is right now, I believe, the one of the most successful female racers ever correct <laughs> yeah it's crazy yeah you know it's crazy is you know like you're you touch on the marketing like you know i, I when i left high school i didn't go to college for marketing I, I learned it all on the road i learned it off the streets right and then i then i went into parenting and i'm like okay I, no one's really taught me this because you know my dad raised me but he was a business guy he was never at home and you know my mom was gone when i was young and so I really didn't have this, this structure to follow. So when I went into, you know, with my daughter and I realized I had to be a dad, I had to be there for her. And then as we, you know, me and my wife, Marisa, uh, grew, you know, uh, Haley grew up, I had that competitive spirit of racing. I go, okay, as a female, motocross in females is not a big feature to make money for females in right. motocross. But then I thought, okay, car racing there's a lot of opportunity for females in car racing. It's even a novelty. You know? It's even a novelty in the honestly, beginning. her career started for fun. I raced professional trucks. There was a kid's class. She watched at the fence. She begged me for a car. I finally got her a cart. And she just cruised around just like mid-pack, maybe towards the back for the first year. And then the next year, she started running up front. And so you know she's winning. She's winning championships. Wow. And then around oh, me, she did. I thought at first, like, to be honest, like – I just put her in for fun, but the next thing you know, I'm like, wow, she's she's really good at it. So she went on to win many championships in the off-road series, which no female has done. And then we said, okay, let's try her out in some circle track stock car stuff. And we put her in some mobile track, and she clicked in that too. And, and then next thing you know, Toyota heard about her. Toyota called, hey, can we try her out in one of our stock cars? Put her in a stock car, broke the track record. It was like right then they signed her a multi-year deal. And, um, and then next thing you know, we're in NASCAR. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, hey, it's all good because I love marketing, and that's a, like the biggest sport in America for car racing. Yep. So it really, really worked out really well. But Haley just wants to win. She's she's just a racer. Really. Wow. Tons of media, tons of hype around her. But I'm like, we have to balance that, right? Because you can't build her up too big until she learns the craft. Right. And build I, expectation I too high. Right. You want to yeah. keep expectation manageable at this stage. What an amazing story, though. She's probably going to be the greatest female race car driver of all time at the pace yeah. that she's going right now. Yeah, I agree. If we can keep her on track, right, which she's a great kid, straight A student. And when she was in school, she's she, out of all you know, three kids, she's the one that was always the most passive, quiet, easy, you know, and a really, really good kid. You know, my boys are, they're wild, but she, she, <laughs> she was, you know, mellow and, and it's crazy to think she turned out to be the most diehard racer on the track. Like she's cutthroat on the track, like she doesn't take any crap. And, but she's, she's won three races in the NASCAR series. No female's done that yet. NASCAR has been around a long time. That's incredible. You know, it's been crazy. And I'm like, is she really the next girl that could break all these records? And, you know, and, and she's on her way. She's got good support from like Monster Energy, some good sponsors that, that I've had through the years that helped her. And um, it's, it's a lot of pieces of the puzzle, but she's got to stay focused and she's really focused on she wants to win cup one day, which would be unbelievable. No females even won a NASCAR truck race, right. NASCAR Xfinity race. 
I mean, she's got a lot of records to break. But at this rate, uh, 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 she could get there. No question about it. Do you yeah. think that I'm guessing watching you compete as she grew up, watching you be disciplined and work out and train yourself and the travel and the price that you had to pay for success and fame, I'm guessing taught her that this is not going to come easy, that she has to work hard and discipline and physical endurance and all of these things. So I'm guessing you were a heck of an example. Yeah, you know, she grew up around around the media. She grew up around uh, me training every day, yeah. being an athlete, eating right, being disciplined. So uh, she, she follows that regimen. And I think that's the difference, okay? You go into car racing and stock cars or just all car racing in general. You know, moto, you're, you have to be really good physically uh, fit athlete because it's, it's a lot of um, activity on when you're racing. And uh, car racing is a little different. You know, you can get beat by a guy who's just really good and it's been many years in the sport and he's out of shape and, you know, he's having a beer after the race. Car <laughs> racing is a little different. It's not, you know, like right. as far as physical. It's not as Yeah. And, and uh, Haley is, takes a moto mentality of training every day, working out, eating right. So I think she's going to take it to another level. You wow. know, I think um, there's a reason. I try to always think, why has no girl made it yet? Like, why has no girl become a champion yet? And I try to understand that because what guidelines are we following? Because I don't have a mold to follow. And even as a dad, you know, with, with my wife, we're like, who, 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 what mold do we follow of a family that has multiple champions in different sports? You know? Wow. That's <laughs> kind of crazy. But, really but you didn't have a mold to follow when you started motocross. So, so you know, you've been breaking a mold. That was sort of an FU kind of sport to more traditional right. sports back then, right? It was almost like rubbing in their face that you can do it your way and oh, draw yeah. crowds and make money. Yeah, for okay. Sure. Well, I'm not finished with you yet, buddy, because now we have Hayden. <laughs> who's now coming along and is becoming quite a motocross prodigy himself. Yeah. So yeah, he is uh, definitely, he was one of the youngest kids in the nation to get a factory support deal from KTM motorcycles. He, he is nicknamed danger boy. He was the first phenom really in the family on social media. Like he was the youngest kid to backflip a dirt bike, but he, his main thing is his racing He's the fastest kid in the nation at his age. Wow. And, and you got to think, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to keep Haley's career going. I got Hayden's career, which Hayden motocross is a daily deal. You can't just do it on weekends. It's You have to practice two or three days a week. That's why we have a supercross track in our front yard. And we have a truck track on the side, a freestyle park at our house. Like we have everything I ever wanted as a kid. Like that's what we built at our house. Now we have this big playground of racetracks and that's where the kids train. It's kind of the only way I can keep it all going, and you know, it's, it's a lot of time. So you're really sort of a brand manager for them now, because not uh, only are you guiding them with regard to discipline and training, right, in respect of their craft and all of that, but you really have to be a steward of their brands as they're coming up now. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that's a whole big part of it. You know, I, like I tell my kids, I'm like, your prize money, that, that's not the money you're going to retire on. You retire on your endorsement deals, right. your merchandise. You build a brand. You have a short window. Uh, there's only going to be, uh, you know, maybe a short run. You're going to be able to do this and build this brand. So luckily with social media, we have jumped into that. We have a full social team of video guys and editors. We put out, you know, our Deacon 38 YouTube channel. We put out videos every day. Our social, our socials are doing really well. So, you know, we're definitely tackling that side of it. And then 
Hudson is 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 well is yeah. is coming. Yeah. So you have three that are following in your footsteps. So yeah. so uh, you know it's funny. I was going to say, man, you should have a reality show, The Deegans. <laughs> it's a we have offers, honestly, uh, to to do reality shows, and and uh, as a dad with with this, you know, and being you know, and being married and having this family that you know, I think everything is going well you know we have our ups and downs we're human we have our good days and bad days right but overall we're still a family we have a family structure and every time i've a lot of reality shows i've seen have done you know to a point of like tearing apart families yes so i said it's not worth it to me like i tell my kids i'm like if sport or fame ever tears apart a family or a family it's not worth it to me i'm like that's not I completely so agree. I completely agree. And what producers want is they want tension. So, you know, they can want the kids with tension against each other and you with tension against the kids, right? And your wife, Marissa, needs to have tension to you. And I mean, it becomes it becomes such incredible pressure. You know, it's interesting. In my show, I've had my wife and my daughter on my show, but mm-hmm. I've never had the cameras in my house. So, yeah, yeah. so you know, I'll bring them into my business environment in the show, but I won't bring the show into my personal life either for exactly the same reasons. Yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, what's next for you other than being a dad and managing this, you now have created a brand, a family brand. It's fascinating what you've actually (laughs) created. It's really exciting. It is really exciting. Every day is, you know, a new day for us of trying to achieve this, I, I guess you'd say dominance of our sport with marketing. And I feel like, we all work together. Haley's got the car market. I have the dirt bikes and trucks and Hayden's got the youth. Hudson's got the really young kids. We work all together and we have this, you know, this uh, team as our family and, and, you know, who knows how far and how high it can go, but you know, we're just kind of enjoying the ride. And, you know, so I know I've built other brands with other names, but at this point it's just, like I said, our podcast we're doing is the Deegans and yeah, it's really what it is. It's just our family and us, and like we're like we're just normal people, like trying to chase dreams, and that's really what it is. You know, when you think about it, that in 1997 this all started for you, yeah. and now it's what 22 years later, uh, and yeah. your and your brand is more relevant today than it was yeah. really uh, uh, in some of the highest moments of, of your sports career. So what Sweet. you've done is yeah. remarkable, and it's a great example of how a brand can be passed down to a family and children and what the power of a brand is. And your brand is about competition, integrity, and heart. And I think that that's why you and the kids are so successful. It's because you go at it with integrity and you go at it with heart. And, and, you know, there's there's a real commitment to the craft and what you do. And, Brian, you should be proud, buddy. To build the brand yourself is remarkable. To watch your children build the brand on their own and achieve this must be one of the greatest feelings you've ever had. It's better than any race you've ever won, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like when Haley won, let's just say it's a lot of work and and a lot of hard work. But when the kids succeed and when, you know, first of all, when they're just when I see them be good people and do good things and treat people good, that's when I'm like really proud. You know, and then say like, you know, when Haley won the first NASCAR, it's like we were in tears. Right. 
not because of the race, just because of the whole work ethic of going and right. what it takes to do that. Yeah, what you, you know, it's just like so many years of work, you know, built up to these moments. Yep. So, okay, my my last question for you, buddy. You ready? Yeah. Behind you on your desk is a wooden plaque that <laughs> says, "If you met my family, you would understand." <laughs> so yeah. What do you mean? What would I understand if I met if I what would I understand about you if I met your family that I wouldn't understand now? Yeah, yeah, no, it's funny. It's uh I guess we're just all, you know, crazy crazy uh people trying to pull it together and enjoy life really, you know. We're all like going wide open. We're all moving fast and, and uh, we're all the same really, you know, in this house. We're all goal driven and, and motivated and all on the same mission. So it's, uh, it's definitely pretty cool. I sense there's a lot of smiles and a lot of laughter in the Deegan house, though, isn't there? Oh, there it is. It's, uh, we always try to have fun. And we really try to, like, if there, you know, if it's a positive, is a big thing. If there is negative, we confront it, what it is, and move on. We don't dwell on stuff. We just, you know, life's too short, and we want to enjoy every day. That's kind of the way I see it. Too much good stuff happening right now. I agree. You know, you know, sometimes today, Brian, tradition is a word that's almost a dirty word. Tradition, tradition, tradition. But, you know, we as parents, when we pass down traditions to our children, it's a big deal. And what you've done is you've passed down a tradition, a lifestyle for your family that is a better one than you had when you started your life. And that's a wonderful, wonderful accomplishment. Buddy, hats off to you. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I'll do it again sometime. Oh, my pleasure. So where can everybody find you and find the podcast? Tell everybody. So, yeah, on Wednesday. So I pick Wednesday. I figure that's a good day during the week. And, and uh, every week we'll have a new episode. And I'm excited because it's something that will help us, you know, explain what we're doing more in depth, get behind the scenes more of, of what our family's doing. And I have some really cool guests that we're able to get. And that's cool because everyone seemed nice. Take my take my call or, or come on the show and they've been really open about it and I just think it's going to open a lot of cool doors for cool stories and conversations so it's going to be fun it's just called the Deegans you know and it should be good well not only will it be fun I, I'm going to guess you're going to inspire a whole bunch of people great to I talk to you Brian and, and, and you know I, I'm giving you a little salute to the general so <laughs> thank no, you thank buddy you. look forward to talking soon take care want to talk to John email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com Sleep has never been my forte, Corey. I tend to be a side sleeper. And when I sleep on my side, the pressure from my hips makes my hips hurt. So I try to angle over a little bit, but I get up in the morning and my hips tend to hurt, my back tends to hurt. And I've got to tell you, I've tried a bunch of different kinds of mattresses and products. I've tried air mattresses, you know, that, that are supposed to know your sleep and change and automatic and different settings on each side. And I've done all these kinds of things. And I got to tell you, uh, uh, um, there is a new technology that's really making a difference and it's purple. So did you spend the night tossing and turning and think about how pain and stress and all this stuff keeps you up at night, how you're tired the next day. And I've been waking up with a stiff neck and my hip killing me. And I spend way too much on a mattress and still don't get a good night's sleep. And I'm going to be completely honest. I have tried four different mattresses this year, Corey. 
Wow. And everyone that talks the biggest game tends to be the biggest disappointment. And thank God you can return them all because, you know, I got to return it. Now they got to pick up the old one. What do I do with the old one? Because I got to not have a mattress. So I got to get the new one before they pick up the old one. So you get the new one. Now they got to pick up. What do you do? With the, it's, it's a real pain in the ass if you don't get it right. So if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. Now, the purple mattress is very different, and it probably will feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses this brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam I'm used to. The purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time, so it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps really cool. It ends up giving you sort of a zero-gravity feel and it works in any sleeping positions. So, you want a 100-night free trial? If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. And Purple Mattresses are backed by a 10-year warranty with free shipping and returns. So, I'll tell you, you're going to love Purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of any mattress. And that's in addition to the free gifts they're offering throughout the site. So, just text TAFFER to 84-888. And that's the only way to get this free pillow. Text TAFFER to 84 84- Dash eight eight eight. Message and data rates may apply. What a great guy Brian Deegan is. To think about the fact that he's risked himself, the discipline, the physical endurance, the engineering knowledge, building brands, selling T-shirts off the back of, of a pickup truck so that he could keep it all going, then having a family, inspiring your children to follow in your footsteps, to be great competitors, and look at the success story that surrounds Brian. Whether it's successful sports career, successful branding career, successful marriage, successful father. Brian is a great example to us all. Is what can happen when we fight to do something our own way and fight to do something better. And that's what Brian did. And in the end, not only is he the winner, <laughs> so are his kids and all of us. Well, that does it for this week. Thank you, Brian Deegan. Uh, uh, and thank you all. I'm heading up to... Oakland, California, to do my 186th or 7th. I can't even remember anymore, Bar Rescue. And I'll talk to all of you next week. Take care.